This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. You want me to start? Yeah, bismillah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Subhanallah, first of all, thank you for having me here. Well, for the past 20, 25 years, since I came back from Lebanon, just found myself going into da'wah. I didn't ask for it, just found myself going in and I actually tried to push myself away from the public eye for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Even till now, I, I'm not very comfortable with the public eye, to be honest, even though we're out there, alhamdulillah. Uh, I've been, wherever I go, أخي, wherever I go, university, uh, people's houses, wherever I go, inshallah, it's always din, din pops up for some reason around my life. And uh, in the beginning... Uh, we had some brothers who didn't know much about Islam. They used to come and visit us, see us at the mosque. And we'd sit down and talk and a topic of din comes up. And from there, it leads you to another gathering, then to another gathering. And someone would invite you here and someone would invite you there. And then people start passing the information on until I found myself giving public speeches everywhere. Well, so which, this is, you know, is this would you describe this as like the infancy of the Muslim community in, in Melbourne? Definitely. We came back here. So from about 1996, I was about close to 20 years old when I was involved. in. So, so do the maths, yeah? Yeah, do the maths. <laughs> uh, subhanallah. And this yeah, was at Preston were, Mosque, yeah? That was at Preston Mosque. Let me, you're taking me back now to those years. Let me just refresh my mind. Bismillah. So we had a, a community that was quite close to each other. There was a greater bond. And even before that, there I heard that there was even a greater bond. So in the 70s, the 80s, when, I don't know, the youngsters don't know him, but his name is Sheikh Fahmi, rahmatullahi He used to be the main man who, uh, along with many of the youngsters' grandfathers who were together, a lot of them passed away. And Preston Mosque was a little house, and then uh, there were like uh, Turkish, Lebanese, uh, Palestinian, uh, Albanian, all the different nationalities in one place. And then everybody dispersed, and then you got the different mosques from different nationalities. I came in when Preston Mosque was, like you can say, it's like the Mecca of, uh, of Melbourne. And uh, it was the central place. We had uh, a few brothers there that wanted to make an Islamic organization. Before that, we had a few youth organizations. were called YMA. Remember YMA? Yeah, they're still, they're still around. They're, they're still around, around yeah, yeah. yeah. But they were a bit stronger that time. Yeah, yeah. And then we had... Uh, Brother Hamza there who wanted to make an Islamic center and we started helping him. We had a few brothers from university, you know, the, many names. And we started the youth center, gave it a name. And I was always sort of uh, helping in the background, not being part of specific organizations. The only organizations I became part of as part of the committee member is the Islamic Society of Victoria, Preston Mosque. Mm. And that's when I started to really learn about our community from the inside and the outside. If you want me to start from there, that's where the journey began and I learned so much about what our community needs, where we're successful, where we're thriving and where, where we're lacking and need a lot of help in, even among religious people. I just felt that I've got a lot of things, I've got some things right and a lot of things wrong as well. I really want to focus on that because um, you know, I know, alhamdulillah, we still have Sheikh Bilal with us, but, mm. you know, um, 
الله يرحمه شيخ فهمي you know he's gone through he would have gone through so much so much experience and you know i always find it really um really rewarding i mean listening to like listening to my dad or listening to my elders and hearing their experiences and and you know extracting that wisdom and knowledge that that is disappears mm. when they're gone mm. um and you know people come into the community trying to reinvent the wheel over again do the same thing um and replicate things but people have been there done that or experienced it at least in hindsight there's a lot to learn and i think a lot of our uh you know uh, i think there's still some similarities from those times that still exist i'm going to tell you the fine line between okay <clears throat> all of that sheikh fahmi i was by his side at the preston mosque for a long time people thought he was my dad i've, I've actually got his picture on the oh. facebook page my main the the general the public facebook page is one i don't know the, the, there's one that's private is or personal and then there's one as oh, anyway one of them i have that old man with the with the turban sits next to me that's sheikh fahmi for those right. of you who want to go to my facebook that's that's who he is i wanted to have him there because he re, he did so much for our community and i'm telling you why he was successful it's not because he was the most knowledgeable person actually there were many scholars much more knowledgeable than him he wasn't a, what we call a alim in the sense of wow you know that deep but i'll tell you what he did he knew what the community wanted and focused on the knowledge that they need and then avoided subhanallah something i learned from is that he avoided differences between people anything that caused a controversy or the, or made people separate apart he avoided it completely and focused on what the community really needs practical things that people can apply straight away one of the first things he did for example with other groups of our elders you didn't need much knowledge for that <laughs> just the basics of islam is enough that we need to thrive and move forward as a community subhanallah one of the things is uh, established a graveyard a, a a a cemetery for the muslims alone before they used to bury them in bags with the non-muslim uh, in non-muslim cemeteries and we weren't allowed to uh, wash them and shroud them the way that we do we didn't even pray janaza on them it was all done secretly people don't know how this went on for years and then he was able to you know go around with the muslims and say hey guys listen this is important for us how we get buried started to lobby it speak and get to know the people in the in the council people in the government you need people of authority to connect with them mm-hmm. you can't just isolate yourself you have to connect you have to smile with them you have to have even if tardin is with them to believe it or not just so that we can get to what the community needs this is how it is got the fun- got the funerals right then he got the marriage uh, thing right for us we were able to get married islamically can i just ask what uh, what time was that that was so th- that was in the early 80s but that's not far away no it's not far away at all early 80s yeah, yeah. We started doing that and we had the marriage celebrant thing where you have religious celebrants yeah. like for example i'm i'm a marriage celebrant i took it off learned it off sheikh fahmi actually and he endorsed me saying go ahead uh, to do religious the government actually says okay you do it your way and we'll acknowledge it we'll just endorse it if you don't have muslims who interact intermingle a little bit uh meet people you know non-muslims because that's where we're living then you're not going to be able to move the muslims forward then there was another group of people we used to interact with from the muslims subhanallah they just want to isolate themselves from everything and anything and focus on the th- on the differences of opinion that the scholars used to have traditional scholars you know hundreds of years ago mm. i mean this is not the time nor the place mm-hmm. can i just ask you a question it seems like you had a good connection with your sheikh and mm. you learned a lot from him was it because of your own personal desire being close to him or 
Wallahi, uh, Sheikh, I have, honestly, I can't answer that question. I don't know how. Everything, remember how I started off? Coming back, I studied in, in Lebanon, studied Sharia in Lebanon, had this whole dynamic in Lebanon, very different to Australia. You come back here and I didn't know where to go. But everywhere, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just put me here, put me there, brought these people here, brought this Sheikh next to me. I ended up in the mosque. I don't know how. I didn't really plan it. I feel like there's a lot of young people that they want to learn, they want to take that good path, but then sometimes it just doesn't work out for them. And I see that you had a good uh, relationship and connection with the sheikh. The only thing I can I can share with the young people is this. I didn't have to try hard. And I didn't have to look for a group that I have to be part of. Young people, they want to be part of a group. I just let things flow. What I did was I prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I learned this from my father. My father says, I was lost before, he says. And then this brother, he told me this dua that I can say at night. And I used to hear these things from my dad. I just took him on board. Started saying, Ya Allah, guide me to the right path. I don't want to be on the wrong path. And then I had a passion, a personal passion for the deen. That's all. But uh, I like to mix. I don't try to choose. I didn't try to choose this group, that group, that person, this person. Anybody who told me, don't be with this person, don't be with that person, I didn't really take it on board. I'd respect them and say, okay, yeah, no worries. But I go and like to talk to them. I want to see why. You know, they're all Muslims. When you mix a lot, but you stay, you don't just accept things without investigating or reject things without investigating. Right. All right. And you always have people to ask. You go back to ask people, acknowledge people you trust. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides you, akhi. Allah guides you. You don't have to try too hard. My advice to the young people is stick to the mosques. You know, this is where I, where I start. First place you go to is to mosque. I even tell university students, as soon as you go on your first on your first day at university, find the prayer room. Mm-hmm. This is called the jama'ah. Stick to the jama'ah. Wherever the Muslim community is, go there and mix with them. Don't isolate yourself. And watch the doors open, subhanAllah. Watch the doors open and be sincere about it. Be sincere about it. I've seen young people who were successful and young people who lost their way. They either became too much until they exhausted themselves and now they went back to their old ways. Some of them just isolated themselves, didn't even give themselves the chance. Some of them came in with sincere hearts, sincere hearts, and uh, stuck around the masjid and around. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides them to meet this person and that person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides these young people like that. Just You have that passion, have that sincerity. And Islam is simple. You don't have to go and No one's asking you to become this great scholar and you have to uh, find the specific group and specific place to enter paradise. Yani... Then I just saw the passion, sincerity, openness, open-mindedness. Just accept everything everyone says to me. Meet this person, meet that one. I remember one brother come to the mosque and he said to me, he was with the Tabligh Jama'ah. And uh, he said to me, should I go with them? Should I go and answer? I said, go, ya akhi. But one thing, just, you know, listen. But you don't have to accept everything everyone says, nor reject everything everyone says. Meet other people as well. Go wherever you like. Don't make it a group thing. Yeah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the door for him mm-hmm. to have, at least we have an open relationship with each other. Did he change his life? Yes, of course. What happened is that uh, it creates, you feel you're part of a community mm-hmm. when you don't isolate yourself and stick to one group. You have a relationship with everybody. And what happens is that everyone starts to get to listen to everyone else and see the different points of views and learn that, hold on a minute, there are fundamentals in Islam and there are branches of Islam. And the branches, we can differ on them and still be brothers and sisters in Islam and still move forward. As for the fundamentals, it's very hard to find people differing on fundamentals. Actually, if you do find them, it's very clear. 
yeah. everybody can notice it. Yes. His brother thought, thought, hold on a minute, it's not that difficult. Mm. It's like some people, some youth, if they stick to one place or one group or one person, what happens to them is they think all the everything about the religion is fundamental. Even the things that you're allowed to have difference of views on them, and they become exhausted, mm. exhausted, and then they just give up. Yeah, that's that, it's that it's that burnout that after you know uh, you put in your effort in the community and you know you try and be that unifying thing or force or person, um, and you do get exhausted. Yeah, uh, sometimes, right? Because I think one thing one thing that you did mention um, uh, that sort of struck out just then is that the fact that uh, you didn't necessarily try to engineer anything, mm. right? Yeah, exactly. Had a sincere heart. You 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 entered um, uh, you know the right arena. Um, and Allah SWT took you places, yeah. right? And I think there's this, there's this, there's this overarching um, uh, mentality now that, you know, I need to come and I need to transform the community. You know, I need to come in and I want to do this and do this and build that and do this. And it's like, and then you had, you know, realistically, when you look back three, four, five, six years, it's like, okay, what have you actually done? Except talk about. <laughs> um, and that grassroots work on the ground yeah. is like, you can't compare that. Let me, let me share with you one thing. Uh, maybe that'll make it even clearer and more practical. So the word is practical. Very, be on the ground. Mm. What's happening right now in the community? Try to understand what kind of mentality we have, mindset in your community. One thing I did in Lebanon, I went to Lebanon, and it's a totally different mindset there, totally different culture. And coming back to Australia, I realized that a lot of the stuff I learned there, I can't talk about all of it here. It doesn't all work because... Mm -hmm. The mentality and the mindset is a bit different. So I allowed myself to interact with all our brothers and sisters, so long as they're called Muslim and Sunni. Even with, with, with Shia, I had friends, you know, and we, we used to talk. But I didn't just accept everything they said. I'd have to investigate. This is the thing. And I always had this mentality. Of, it's always better for me to follow the minimum of the religion that I'm very sure about than a lot of it when it's mixed up. Going to uni, my I went to Latrobe first year, and the first place I went to was the prayer room. Now there are all sorts of Muslims there. Yeah, yeah. And I did not stop myself from being friends with any of them. We had all the different people who were following particular parties and particular groups and particular mindsets. I really enjoyed the discussion. We used to talk and talk and talk, and sometimes it gets heated. Mm -hmm. But this is the thing: as soon as that ends, you will see no difference. In the relationship we had, we're brothers, we're brothers in Islam, we still love each other, we are loyal to each other, and none of those differences ever, ever split us apart. You've got you to have a bit of an open mindset. On that point, I think that uh, maybe Sheikh, can, uh, Sheikh Batu can elaborate on that. You know, there's some good stories of uh, or points, you know, the differences between Abu Bakr and, um, and Omar, for yeah. example, right? Um, like literally almost polar opposites, you know, to the point of um uh you know the example of uh uh you know either uh, killing the captives or keeping them alive yep well, that's like that's a <laughs> Chef, could you maybe uh recount that story uh in a little bit more depth if you can yes yeah, i remember um the time of Badr regarding the captives nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam i mean that was the first first battle and and the first time his captives so how do you deal with them? And Umar had his strong opinion and Abu Bakr had his opinion. And I believe Abdullah ibn Rawaha also had his 
opinion too. And Subhanallah, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took the opinion of Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu. And, and that was to, um, Sheikh can correct me, that to take them uh, as ransom and that could benefit Islam, could strengthen Islam. And Umar radiyallahu said, every family member should take uh, their family member from the captives and execute them. So at that stage, Nabi Sallallahu took the opinion of Abu Bakr and then the Quran was revealed in Surah um, Anfal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed and uh, verses regarding that. But it's just, uh, I, I was amazed how many different incidents Abu Bakr and Umar who had difference. But then at the end, still that connection was there. I just going off track, but I remember years ago also when I was trying to find my journey and, and what to do. Um, I started going to the masjid and I really just wanted khair. I had a passion as Sheikh said, young and, and Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was guiding me. And then certain people kept coming up to me and just telling me that this is wrong and this is right. And they're telling me, you know, intricate uh, issues of Islam that I didn't even know what they're talking about. And I started to get confused. I started to get confused. What do I do? How do I deal with this? And one thing I used to do is go to the Sheikh in the Masjid and to tell me, no, don't worry about this. Just deal with it. Don't worry about this. And... Um, I know I'm going off track, but it's just while the well, that's no, entirely yeah, relevant. That's that's very relevant. Yeah, it's exactly. So it's my own, and I used to, to go back at night, make dua, Allah guide me. What are they saying? Is it right? Is it wrong? It's just total uh, confusion. But then I just kept looking for the truth. Kept looking for the truth. I didn't take uh, exactly what they said. And then Subhanallah, by time Allah blessed me with the opportunity of studying, and then I realized, Sheikh said, the fundamentals and things which are tertiary, uh, you know, subsidiary, uh, like the branches. But um, coming back to uh, like the question, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhu, they had so much love and uh, mutual respect for each other. And I think like uh, it's, that's really important for us as, as Muslims, as a community working with each other. Um, yeah, subhanAllah, Sheikh. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's exactly what we're talking about. But Abu Bakr and Umar, all the Sahabs, they even differed on... How many things they differed on, yet uh, their, the spirit of their brotherhood stayed together. Rasulullah did say that uh, Abu Bakr and Umar, they differed so much that he said to them, uh, listen, if you ever agree on something, then don't even ask me. It must be right. <laughs> but what you got to understand that what they differed on was not the fundamentals yes. of the deen. Yes. It's something, okay, let's, let's just go through that. Probably two minutes on that. It's very important for young people to know. What are we talking about when we're saying fundamentals? And the, in lame terms, the not as important things that Islam gives some room for differences of opinion among the scholars. The fundamentals are things that the majority of Muslims already know. Okay, it doesn't take much to learn them. So, for example, the Quran talks about alcohol being forbidden, gambling is forbidden. You don't need a scholar to tell you that. These are fundamentals. Mm. There are five daily prayers. There are fundamentals of knowledge, what you're supposed to believe in, and fundamentals of actions, knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to do all things. Does anybody differ on that? There is only one God worthy of worship. Not a single Muslim in the world differs on that. And then there's the actions. Everybody believes in the five pillars. We have to pray our five daily prayers, fasting our month of Ramadan, going to Hajj. Does anybody differ on that? These are Muslims who are already, alhamdulillah, on the right group. And then you have the 
uh, uh, the branches of them, the, the little. So, uh, for example, in Niwallah, you have the four different schools of thought. One says uh, uh, you can wipe over the uh, the leather socks. The other one says over fabric socks, for example. Uh, one has a different opinion on uh, marriage. Uh, uh, you know, you need a, a wali in every situation. Uh, the, the other school of thought says no. There are, you know, if certain conditions are met, you don't really need a wali. The point is, yani, um, these are called these are furu'a, yani, the, the the branches of the where Islam allows some difference of opinion. We don't turn them into fundamentals. You know? and what happens from that when we turn things like this into fundamentals? Uh, this is where separation happens. People won't pray in certain mosques. People won't pray behind certain imams. Uh, this obsessive uh, enthusiasm, uncritical uh, sort of uh, following of uh, a, either a party or a school of thought zealously is something that the scholars never did. Subhanallah. And I think that you mentioned something, Sheikh, Sheikh Bahadun. You said that when you go and you find people telling you, no, stick with us, don't follow that person, we're right, they're wrong, and you've got to be careful of this. You think like the world's over. There's no more Muslims on earth. Everybody is wrong, and you have to be part of 10 or 15 or 20 people who are the the, the saved sect that are going to Jannah and nothing else. To tell you the truth, at that time it's it's difficult. Like I know it's difficult, but what we learned, I went through the same, Wallahi, and what, what we learned from this is, is this. From now on, me, <laughs> I can go back. If anybody comes to me, no matter how knowledgeable they are, and uses that mentality, that kind of attitude, you know, I've just just come in new, and you got to be careful of this group, you got to be careful of the gap group. They're not part of, it. and these are the sheikhs you got to follow. These are the books that we follow. This, anything outside of it, don't do. I know something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. Subhanallah. I, I'm not not happy with that. And uh, you mentioned Akhi Abdullah about my journey through across the mosque and the community. This is what I went through. So brothers. Sisters, they come together and it became more like a gang sort of thing, more like a group. This is our group. Tell you something in common. I realized, wallahu, this is my opinion, it's what I saw from experience. If if someone had that, had had a, a, okay, a gang mentality before becoming religious, or an attitude of stubbornness and my way or the highway before becoming religious, you know, that type of approach, and then they become religious, that mentality comes with it. Even... I saw some, some students back in Lebanon doing Sharia. You can tell they already have a rough, tough personality beforehand. They have a, a gang mentality. And they learn the Sharia only to serve that mentality. Go out and then, oh, come around me. I'm your sheikh and no one else. It becomes like that. It's the personality that comes in with it. That's why Rasul said that uh, in the Hadith Sahih that the best among you in the deen now are the ones who were the best before in Jahiliyyah. The ones who had the best character before have the best now. Because they bring in that character with them, that good character with the deen, and the deen serves that character as well. Mm. Allah, just in a nutshell, I thought, we have bigger, bigger, bigger problems in the world and, and in Australia for the Muslim community that we need to focus on more than anything else. Do you feel that that is that uh, over the last what, few decades, how that has transformed or moved in a positive direction, or has it got worse? Both ways. Both ways. We've seen an improvement in a larger group, and we've seen the other side, the zealous approach, still happening, but in a larger group too. So all of them are still happening, except that they've just gone bigger. Okay. I haven't seen a shift, total shift from one end to the other. It's just that those who are going this way, 
either they got older and they're not talking anymore they're not really part of the community but then you have the younger ones who've come up and they've now i know some groups of muslims who don't pray in any mosque whatsoever because they believe no one's prayers accepted and then you got the other extreme where they say pray behind everyone even if uh is an open yeah you know that um very clear that this person is uh, the, other, the other end of the spectrum all right yeah. and then you have the ones in the middle inshallah we're after the ones in the middle mm. that's why allah made our religion wasatan in the middle and uh, you know the hadith sheikh about um about uh the shaitan uh in the shaitan yeah the, the shaitan has given up hope of people praying to the shaitan or worshiping the shaitan while they while they're in their salat but he hasn't given up on the muslims fighting each other mm. quarreling with each other disuniting with each other he's happy with that mm. this hadith was a sahih muslim so he gave up on anyone making shirk for example the majority of muslims do not make shirk the majority of muslims have tawheed the majority of muslims anywhere you go you enter a masjid they're praying in one direction. They're praying to one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, regardless of their differences of opinion here and there. But what the shaitan got us with is this. Yalla, have fitna between each other. Mm. Even in the religion. Shaitan said, mustaqim. I will sit awaiting for them on your straight path. So I'm going to get this person with that attitude. Make him think that with his religion, he can make fitna between the Muslims. But alhamdulillah, akhi Abdullah. There is a larger group that's going, that's more understanding at the moment. More understanding, being a bit more open-minded. You can see it, mashallah. There's more knowledge. There's more in-depth knowledge. But look, Al-Harith radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, give me a, an advice. Give me something that I can hold on to. bihi. I can hold on to that will take me to paradise. And he grabbed his tongue, his own tongue. He said, uh, um, take control of this the tongue what's what's our biggest problem these days we love to talk 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 i want to express my opinion about everything and anything qualified not qualified i don't care not thinking especially on social media people are very quick to write things keyboard, keyboard warriors keyboard warriors or even people who are quite sincere but they're just not careful and these things stay there and they think it doesn't really matter when you see them face to face they don't talk much they like, why are you typing there people are reading it they're getting influenced by it Imam Shafi'i he says, uh, uh, everything that your hand has written or your mouth has spoken uh, stays while everything else fades. So be careful what your hands have written, for other people later on will take it and move with it. And you will be judged for it, either in a good way or a bad way. Mm-hmm. Right? Just be careful not to just blurt out things. Some of this stuff is, you know, we've mentioned <laughs> I'm how... I'm being negative, aren't I? <laughs> We're being real, huh? <laughs> um, uh, some of this stuff, you know, uh, yeah, there's, you know, let's say um, people have difficulty navigating you know, differences. But would you say that the fitna of that, that exists or whatever that used to exist, was not, was it just that or was it, there was more to it? I mean, there's... Here there's in Australia? Agendas, egos, people. Yeah, and, so that's what we're coming to. Yeah. So... Uh, Yes, most of them. Remember, I was saying they're coming out of the attitude. Yeah, yeah. Them? that's exactly what I'm saying. So a lot of them, you can find that there's an ego behind it. There's an ego behind it, uh, and that's the nature of human beings. I want to be heard. I want to have a voice. People around me, I'm right, they're wrong. But this exhausts the youth, and I found uh, a lot of the youth used to get put off of it. I say, man, I just want to you know, be peaceful with my Muslim community. My advice, actually 
that I finally rested on in the end. There are fundamentals in Nadine which the majority of Muslims don't differ on. Do your best in that and then see what our Muslim community really needs and be part of that moving forward with them. Something as simple as I gave the example of Sheikh Fahmi, looking at the funerals, looking at the marriages. Nobody differs on the Muslims uh, wanting an Islamic marriage. Nobody differs on burying Muslims in an Islamic way. And I avoided talking about differences, to be honest. In Lebanon, I used to talk about differences so much, but we stayed brothers. You cannot imagine how many groups I went with in Lebanon. And we still managed to stay brothers, like real brothers. When I came back to Australia, I didn't see any room to talk about differences. It was just, um, we're all here, we're all Muslim. Sunni is the furthest I would go. And living in Australia, we're what, 2%, not even 2%. We barely got our head out of the water. We're barely breathing. And uh, we've got so much uh, lacking in our community. We need to come together on common grounds. We don't have time to talk about differences. His sock didn't wipe the sock, uh, join the prayer, don't join the prayer. Um, you know, uh, uh, difference of opinion about uh, travel. Do I, how many days do I pray this long? That No, that means you're on another group. No, I, I won't pray behind you because you wiped over your sock. I only pray behind people who pray wipe over their leather sock. Some, you know, if I if I walk in front of you in prayer just to prove a point uh, about some opinion or something like that, this separates the community. Honestly, I avoided the differences of opinion with the common people. This is not to trivialize differences mm. that legitimately exist, and it's the mentality that exploits that for the sake of, um, you know, uh, other things, negative negativity and yeah. and so very good point, Abdullah. That. When I come in and use, exploit the differences for a, an agenda of my own, yeah. you know, a, a, a discrete party that I follow or a zealous approach to a school of thought I follow, and I use the differences of opinion to create a group, to create a, an isolated group from the rest. This is tafriq, this is separating the jama'ah. Umar ibn Khattab used to say in his khutbah, uh, you must stick to the uh, general community. Stay with them and be aware of, of separation. For the shaitan can uh, take control of one person, but when there are two people together, the shaitan moves away further. So we need to find a way where these differences do not, they're not supposed to separate us, they're supposed to unite us. You know, the, uh, we have in our deen, alhamdulillah, all the scholars of the past who differed on any. Of these opinions, such as, for example, the four schools of thought, they still loved each other. Imam uh, Shafi'i visited uh, Kufa when Imam Abu Hanifa had passed away and his grave was there near the masjid. That's where he used to give his, his classes. And Imam Shafi'i uh, believed in raising his hands when he stood up from Ruku'ah, for example. And the Hanafi Madhab, you don't do that. And they saw Imam Shafi'i not raising his hands in, in the way that he used to give fatwa in you know, back home, but he was in Kufa. And I asked him, why did you not go with the opinion that you follow? And he said, out of respect for the owner of this grave, this is his place, this Kufa. Do you see how these small differences of opinion did not create a grouping or my way or the highway? You can't, you can't compromise a bit for the sake of the brotherhood, all right, for the sake of the fundamentals. And very quick example about the Sahabas at the time of Bani Quraidah. You know that, that story, Bani Quraidah? Mm. When the Sahabas were going there, 
And the Prophet ﷺ said, we'll only pray Asr at Bani Quraida. And on their way, uh, they didn't know what it meant. A group said, uh, oh, Asr is about to go. So we better pray before the time goes. Because the Quran says, pray on its time. And another group said, no, but the Prophet ﷺ has exceptionalized that. There's an exception. He literally said, pray it there. So we're going to just obey the Prophet ﷺ because it's an exception. He won't go against the Quran. A group prayed before and a group prayed after you know after Maghrib had come in. When they approached the Prophet ﷺ and said, well, uh, who's right, who's wrong? The Prophet ﷺ knew which is right and which is wrong. He wouldn't tell them something that's conflicting. But what did he say to them? He avoided completely those differences. They tried their best sincerely. They tried to look at the dalil and the evidence within their capacity, within the capacity they knew. The Prophet ﷺ said, you are both on good. Kullukum ala khair. You're both on good, inshallah. He didn't want them to separate because of something like that or to create into an egotistic thing. Now, I think with the... Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, for that. With, I think, and tie it back into um, the title. And, and the title is, it's sort of, and mashallah, the, the poster is a bit, it stands out to you a little bit in the sense that, you know, why does this matter? And why do we matter in this conversation? Um, and you know, I thought to myself, well, uh, one reason uh, could be is that um, often we, we inherit the baggage of others and the next generation, uh, I mean, not, not the sense that every generation is a start afresh, but um, you just carry that, uh, that mentality or the negative mentality and then just move it on and, and pass it on and pass it on and rather than think, about, think, uh, think of it a bit more critically. Do you feel that that sort of happens a little yes, bit? Yes, of course. That's the problem. You carry on things from the other generation. That's what truly happens. But look... Allah does not burden people with acts of worship or religion more than what they can bear. And Allah knows the hearts and the sincerity. You don't need to be knowledgeable to know sincere from unsincere. Mm -hmm. You can feel when you're yeah. when you're just want to want your voice to be heard and your opinion to go. You don't need to be knowledgeable about that. You don't need to inherit that. You already you already know that because you get angry. If I get angry when you oppose me, it means that, okay, there's a problem in my approach too. So I've got to mellow down a little bit and go to the fundamentals of the deen. And that is, listen, be sincere. Maybe the other person could be right. It's just very, very open your mind. Have a listen. Rasulullah who did he listen to? He listened to uh, Al-Mughira. You know, Walid ibn Mughira, yeah, of course, of course, the yeah, great, yeah. the enemy of the Prophet and he sat down in front of the Kaaba telling off the Prophet in so long, the Prophet was just listening to him until he finished. He says, have you finished? He goes, yeah. And then he recited some Quran to him. So if you, you don't, these fundamentals, listen and then give your opinion and you don't have to, you know, that's it, it's my way or the highway. But at the same time, uh, my heart goes out with the young people. And my address really is for people who are leaders, people who are knowledgeable. My brothers and sisters, please take it easy a bit on these youngsters. They're copying us. They're taking us as role models. Take it easy on them. Be a little bit more open-minded. There's no need for us to, uh, you know, sort of uh, gather them in one, one particular corner, one particular pocket. There can be right or wrong with us. and There can be wrong, wrong or right with the others. Doesn't matter, visit that masjid, go over there, pray behind that person, be open minded, inshallah, but investigate, you know, always ask. And if you happen to get the wrong way, it doesn't matter. There were even differences of opinion in Aqidah, yani in, in, in the belief in God, but among the scholars, even uh, the, the Sahabas. But, uh, but they never, what happened? 
it's gone. <laughs> let me let me talk about something a bit more on a positive note. Yeah, I was going to shift yeah, the conversation yeah. a little bit there, but um, I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Look, why do we matter? Let's get back to the fundamentals. We matter because we matter to Allah. We matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He placed in us that special soul which the angels knew was special. And when He placed it in Adam alayhi salam, He said to the angels, bow to Him. We matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah says, Adam. We have honored the son of Adam. He made us see, He made us hear, He made it, gave us metacognition, able to think how to think, learn how to learn. He gave us the ability to stand up straight. He gave us dominance over all creatures and all animals to sail in and over the sea. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has truly honored us and made us special. He chose you between all those chemical reactions for you to be born amongst all those billions of other phenomenal little creatures and you've come out here. So you matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is merciful with you. He wants us to be merciful with each other. He wants us to be forgiving with each other. Give each other a chance. Wallahi, if, if I can talk to you and you can talk to me, with mercy, with rahmah. You know what mercy is? That if you wronged me, I'll give you a chance. I won't punish you for it. I won't come down to you with judgmentality. But rather, I will put my hand on your shoulder and say, Akhi Abdullah, subhanallah, you know, talk to me, man. I'm here to listen. Wallahi, I respect your view. And I acknowledge some of your view. And you acknowledge some of my view. We're going to keep listening to each other more and more after that. Because there's rahmah. This is what we're based on. We're based on mercy with each other. Yeah, that, that, that principle is... Um, uh, it's easier said than, said than done, um, but it, it requires that sincerity and that like that open openness to, to have that. And the people that do that, um, uh, you know, uh, like credit to them, mashallah. And then that's, that's sort of a that's sort of a mentality or a, or a culture that we need to um, uh, promote much, yeah. much more. Because it is one of those things when your ego gets in the way. Hey, um, like you know, <laughs> it's probably one of the most difficult things to. Uh, to dismantle uh, in the heat of the moment. Now you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned you know uh, people focusing on you know sort of theoretical issues and, and whatnot, right? Um, and you also mentioned how uh, the community needs uh, needs to focus on other things, right? And those other things uh, potentially are um, services, infrastructure, yes, people, um, uh, education. Um, there's a few things that come, come up top of my head, but out of, of course, out of no experience of my own. Um, what are your thoughts on what the community really requires? Well, uh, what you said, education is one of the first. And we've got a lot of youngsters who uh, have a problem now believing if Allah even exists. You know, isn't this a fundamental that we can focus on here and sort of address as teachers uh, in our schools? For example, to start bringing up the topics that the youth are struggling with, such as the existence of God, evolution. Uh, let's talk about the topic of um, relationships that have mm -hmm. changed now. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about uh, you know uh, issues of mental health. This is a big one now with our uh, Muslim community. You find people even praying five times a day and doing all of that, but still they're saying, "I can't feel it." You know, how can we reach out to them and? And focus on, you know, more of a, what's it called, empathetical approach, inshallah. Uh, issues of marriages, having services of counselling more 
uh, doesn't have to be the imams, for example. People doing courses like you, Chef. You're doing a course on counseling. Have a few more PDs, a bit more qualifications in that. Know how to help our Muslim communities on our own. Have uh, businesses focus on building our businesses to employ our Muslim uh, community because they have religious uh, commitments, which sometimes I find very difficult to practice in other places of employment. You know, we hear this all the time. Come together and start building businesses together uh, for financial gain. Uh, a lot of youngsters want to get married early, but we're keeping, the, you know, it's very hard for them to get married at an early age or they have to wait until Allahu Alam 30, some of them. Especially 40. in lockdown, huh? <laughs> Especially in lockdown, yeah. So, uh, you know what? There is a community. You said you're from the Somali community, Chef, huh? Sheikh mm-hmm. What I was very impressed about them, they came here as refugees, the Somalis. And what they did was they look at the whole community and they think, man, we can't rely on this. We're going to have to get together and do our own thing. So they got together and they have this uh, funeral thing where uh, people put in money, for example, in, 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 a, in a community box. And that goes to their funeral. Funerals cost like seven, eight grand. And then uh, it's free service. for the Muslim. Because when I was at the Preston Mosque, that's what happened. Somalians always had the money. And I'm thinking, where do you get it from? So we have our community. We've established this a long time ago. You know, for marriage, for example, when I have a box, you know, and something like that, each community say, you know what, we're going to have these finances to help people when they get married, but financially they're doing it hard, such as being or whatever. We can do a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of that in that area. What you said is basically enhancing that stuff and relying on our on ourselves, inshallah. Okay. Is, can you maybe, Sheikh Patun, explain that uh, that uh, Somali initiative on um, if you're a little bit more, uh, if you understand it a little bit more? How does that how does that work? Is it a collective? Well, I'm actually quite interested when you brought that up. I was, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's the first I've heard of that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the fine details of it, but uh, I know the cons- basic concepts where um, different so the the community leaders um, they will make an announcement amongst the, the families and the tribes so we have different Somali tribes so if a person was from this tribe then uh, the people in that tribe the immediate family members and the distant family members they'll you know they'll help straight away and then people that are connected to them uh, so the but exactly with the funeral I'm not I just gave that as mm. an example The point I'm trying to make Is So interacting Services for each other Everyone can For example uh, Pick up a phone and, and check on, on Another person in the community See what they need I had brothers in the lockdown Just come out of nowhere And just at my door There's uh, food They sent it to me Why? I don't know how, I wonder how many other people They're sending it to For example and they're anonymous, subhanAllah. Uh, focusing on helping each other, services with each other on the fundamental needs, livelihood, just the stuff that we normally need day to day to enhance that rather than, uh, you know, complaining and talking and going on social media just to sort of uh, express uh, my opinion and your opinion and getting likes for it. We want to actually go into the empathy, the mercy, the helping, the brotherhood. That's this, I mean, there's so much. There's so much to focus on, mm. whilst there's so many other distractions to sort of um, take away. Now, we wanted to, and this is something that we've been speaking about um, on this Saturday night session um, for the last couple of weeks, in fact, because um, you know we see it in the community. Um, alhamdulillah, the community is quite diverse. 
right? Um, in terms of ethnicities as well as ways of thinking and doing things. So there's always naturally going to be, you know, a little bit of um, uh, uh, tension at times. Mm. Um, uh, but it's it's this conversation needs to be elevated in the sense that um, if there's something we shouldn't tolerate, is it's that, right? Mm. That sort of almost internal Islamophobia where we see each other Muslims from inside as sort of uh, enemies or as um, you know, not on the haq or you know, labeling them in a, in a way where we can just easily dismiss them, right? I mean, of course, we wouldn't appreciate that from from anyone else, let, let alone you know our own our own people. So the dynamic is is sort of uh, you know, there's something to relate, you know, because um, I, I do think that does happen uh, in the community where we try to discredit each other um, uh, just to get our way forward. Um, and uh, I, I feel I feel though uh, as part of I don't know if I'm still considered as part of the youth. Um, uh, um, I think Chef Adun's the youngest That's person on this panel. Um, <laughs> um, but I sort of do feel that that uh, that is sort of, or maybe I've just moved away from uh, that culture. But um, I do feel there is a sort of a, a positive progression mm. uh, where um, you know Muslims are now, or young Muslims identify, mainly identify as, as just Muslims in Australia, mm. as opposed to ascribing to... Uh, yes, all yes, other yes, Abdullah. Uh, remember when we we're talking about the fundamentals of the deen? Things that are very clear to any Muslim who doesn't have to study too much of the deen. There does come a point where we have to uh, advise and correct, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but this is all part of the mercy between us. Yes. It doesn't matter. This is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter what we do. And what we differ upon. We will always differ. We have to accept that. Yes, we can't unify everybody. on every, The idea is to accept the differences. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things that you can accept the differences on. So long as they are difference of opinion among the scholars. It's okay. However, when the fundamentals are there, no scholar differs upon them. Yes. If we start going outside of that area as well, then we have to have a merciful approach to those brothers and sisters. Even if we have to be firm and hold discussions of... Uh, of things that may even upset them but it's not about saying the truth it's about how we say it mm -hmm. yani, for example i might see something about you on social media that happened four five six years ago mm. and everybody's forgotten about it nobody's talking about it don't share that post <laughs> no <laughs> and then i come i want to i want i want to change the the bad to, maybe it's you've crossed fundamentals and then i come yeah. along I search that up, I bring it, I whack it on social media, and then yeah. I do a whole post. I'm doing a good thing that I'm showing the, the right from the wrong, but the community had no idea about that. Now I've just put it out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't an issue. So my approach here has made more damage than good. Yes. Ibn Taymiyyah saw the Mongols drinking alcohol when they first converted to Islam, and he left them in a Muslim land. They said, why did you leave him, ya Imam? He said, because these people are still new out of barbarism. And uh, they're drinking alcohol. They're better off being drunk at the moment so they don't start chopping off heads. They're still new to it. So I left them. And you know, I saw it's better off like that. That lack of wisdom. Oh, even Tamir really said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, leave them for now. They were very new to the deen. Oh. And he... Uh, so uh, my approach with you, I can say the truth. And I, what's, what's wrong with me saying to you, Brother Abdullah, Wallahi, you are my brother in Islam. And... You say, you're my brother too. You say, Akhi, I need to say something. You know when you said such and such a thing? 
Allah, I hate to tell you this and I'm not here to oppose you. Why not add these few words there? But this is the thing. This is the thing. One brother, he contacted me in private when once a long time ago I put some uh, information out that was wrong or not very wise. He contacted me and took me aside and said, Wallahi, the way you spoke to him was so brotherly, like a father, like an older brother. And I went and took it and corrected myself. Nobody knew who that person was. Nobody had to even know about it. You know, and um, why, why not add that human approach with people? And Rasul what is da'wah? What is da'wah? Da'wah is, ta- is talking, inviting people who don't want it. <laughs> it's not people who agree with you. And with that, that's what the Prophet did. He says, If you were harsh-hearted, hard in your approach, they will all move away from you. I'm not talking, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about tolerating uh, things that go totally against the din and calling it din. Some people, they want to monopolize on that. And they change the entire din from its core. And then says, oh, you can't judge me. And I'm just saying what I think is my opinion. We say, no, come here. This religion is not yours and mine. This is Allah's religion. You know, out of love for you, I need to correct this. Okay. You know, those few words that we put in, our approach, our friendly approach, our brotherly approach, even while we're firm, can make a huge difference. Inshallah. I'm saying add that little human element. Watch how things change. Well, and that, that's, that's, oh, that's from the deen. But, uh, and, and mashallah, but the, it's also just... Uh, uh, Basic decency as well. Of course. Right? So, you don't have to be a scholar or an island. Yeah, yeah. Sharia school to learn this. How do we tackle the identity crisis facing Muslim youth? And how do we define what it means to be an Australian Muslim and uh, and be a, be part of the ummah as a whole as well? Wallahi, very good question. I have to summarize this because there's so much uh, yeah, yeah. you can ask about it. Yaqi, wallahi, being, uh, identifying as a Muslim is very easy. It's very, very simple. I'll go back to the originally uh, thoughts that I spoke about here in this podcast. The fundamentals of the deen that no Muslim differs upon are known by all of us. Practice them to the best of your ability. To the best of your ability. Whatever you can't, do what you can of it. And you are part of the Muslim identity, inshallah. Muslim identity is about the ideology, the thought. Muslim identity is not just about the clothing or the outside appearance. It is about your ideology, number one. Get the ideology right and then practice the fundamentals as much as you can. Inshallah, you're part of the Muslim Ummah. Muslim Ummah is not just, you know, who's here in Melbourne. It's all around the world, Mm Yanni. When we make dua for our brothers and sisters around the world, anywhere, in any country where they are oppressed and and um, uh, persecuted, we are part of the identity. We are part of the community. When we go to the masjid and we pray our salat in there just to make the rows look bigger and to make the numbers greater, alhamdulillah, we are part of the community. When I call somebody and ask how they are, I am part of the community. This is, you know, Rasul Sallallahu it's very simple. It says, be part of the community, be part of the jama'ah, be involved in some way, even if it's very, very small, and your identity, inshallah, is practiced. Uh, wherever you go, uh, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed to ask for your religious rights. Yeah. This is another thing, and don't shy away from it. I went to the Mercy Hospital once, and I found. Uh, I think he was. He looked like he was a supervisor or some head of the cardiologist section or some cardiology section or something like that. And he's got his, you know, full on looks like a, a Jewish man just hopped out of. You know, we call it Palestine, but Yani, out of 
the occupied area. It looks like a complete... And I think, Tayyib, uh, we shouldn't really shy away from, from something. And uh, speak out if you, if you have it. But if you can't meet it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't burden you more than what you can bear. You're still, alhamdulillah, part of the uh, uh, Muslim identity, inshallah ta'ala. Even if you ended up being, uh, uh, you know, you can't really put too much into the community, can't really involve yourself in the community, at least do what you can in your private affairs, with your family, with your parents, with your siblings. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful, ghafoor, and he's much more generous than what we think. SubhanAllah, I mean, you really reinforced that, I think, quite a few times. The the focus on the fundamentals mm. um, and uh, you know how important and profound those fundamentals are because it's so easy to build a know that stuff right mm. um, but really in practice it's a it's a totally different thing right um now uh i'd just like to add um regarding uh, muslim uh, australian identity something i found beneficial for me is um that one hadith rasulullah said that al-hikmatu daratul mu'min that uh, a word of wisdom is a lost item of a believer so if somebody gives you a piece of wisdom, something beneficial for you, then it is as if it's yours. So, growing up in Australia, I don't find it difficult to say that I'm an Australian Muslim. Another person, for example, from a different nationality, will say that they're Palestinian Muslim or um, you know, Pakistani Muslim. But then sometimes people find it difficult to say that I'm Australian Muslim. Australians have a lot of good values. They're very kind to animals. Um, so the values, the good values that they have, it's as if it's a piece of wisdom for us that belongs to us. Because as this hadith, this is one understanding that I took from it, that if somebody, if somebody brings you your lost item, then it doesn't matter if that person is a Muslim or not a Muslim, it's yours. Somebody knocks on your door and says, I found, I found this, it belongs to you. You're not going to say to them, uh, are you Muslim, you're not Muslim, are you Australian, you're not Australian. So when we find people who have good values and they don't go against Islam, that's the main point though. So if, for example, the Australian values or you know the customs that they have here, that they drink alcohol, that goes clearly against Islam. So we can't adopt that, we can't take that. But if they have good values, then we take it. So... Looking at it that way, from any culture, we can find good and we can take it. So as Muslims and in Australia, Australian Muslims, that the good we find in people, we, we take it. And the bad, we don't. And they'll come back to knowing our Islam, coming back to knowing the fundamentals of Islam, as Sheikh said, the ideology of Islam, knowing to how to be a Muslim. But like that, I find no issue of saying that I'm Australian Muslim and you know, don't even, don't even like to say uh, you know, identity crisis because once yeah no no go go ahead Shane. once we Sorry, have once I we know once we know who breath. we are we uh, we are Muslims we know what we are about and then when we find other cultures and customs that are in conformity to Islam then mashallah we take it as if it's ours and if it's something which is not then with respect. If they do it, we respect them with good character and conduct, but it's not acceptable. Sheikh, I was just going to say, 
if anything we need to um, focus on is our attitude. And in Australia, we're not asked to convert the world or change Australia into something, uh, you know, Sharia or to change it into a whole new Islamic state or anything like that. Allah is not asking us of that. Alhamdulillah, we have the opportunity, as you said, Sheikh, to practice all our all our religious uh, values and practices. Mm. No one is standing in our way. And I see it very close to how the Muslims were within Abyssinia, with the uh, Abyssinian king, Najashi. Najashi. And Najashi. The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, you know, that Christianity is the best or that's what's going to help you. He just said, he said, he is a just ruler. Just means you give people their rights to practice their values and their obligations and nobody stops them from doing that. They're free and peaceful to do that. So one thing we need to get rid of is not burden ourselves trying to change everything here. You said this, Akhi Abdullah. Get rid of that so we don't burden ourselves. Number two, you will find that majority of the values of Islam are already in front of us here in Australia. And your neighbor, reach out to your neighbor and say, hello, how are you? Wallahi, my neighbor had, uh, her boy had a birthday party. I didn't want to go into the issue, is birthdays haram or not haram? I don't want to give my view on that, but I just when I thought, okay, this is my neighbor. She doesn't know, except that birthdays is a good thing. It brings people together. So I focused on that with that intention. Went and bought him a little present and gave it. We talk now. We talk the other neighbor across the road. Talk to another neighbor over there, another neighbor over there. Allahu Akbar, I feel my identity stronger now because they're asking me questions about the deen and even if I don't ask they're looking and watching how I'm acting with them just practice those values but expand them we already have them just expand them a little bit and practice them we already have them alhamdulillah the friendship the neighbor expand it go off give ma'mul on, on Eid to your neighbors just go around to take about 20 minutes and give it across that has a tremendous effect on him subhanallah just a little smile a little hello um, uh, checking on them out of the ordinary you'll be surprised how many Muslims don't do that yeah or they're shy or they're embarrassed to do that just go ahead even with whatever you're wearing inshallah Allahu uh, Akhi. I think it's simpler than what we think sometimes we make it more complicated than what it is I think I think that is probably the take home um, of this whole conversation yeah. of this um, that it is it is uh, far simpler but we wanted to tie it into sort of um, uh, personal experiences because it's that experience that you know that on the ground experience that really uh, uh, provides or uh, Helps you instill that wisdom and and. Shuf Abdullah, just I know you want to. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. Yeah. Talk about personal experience. One yeah. thing about Preston Mosque. Yes. One time, uh, the neighbours at Preston Mosque, mm. when I was back there about talking 15 years ago, they protested against us parking in the streets. Mm. Why? Because you know how Muslims park. Yeah. But they went to the council and protested. Okay, we had to face the council, we had to go in, I was myself going in there trying to vouch for the Muslims that this is our rights and whatever. They brought the neighbours to talk. SubhanAllah, this is an Islamic practice. Bring the neighbours so that they can voice their opinion. They had mediators between us and them. They gave us our respect, they gave them their respect. SubhanAllah. Mm. There was no fighting. or heard, We heard what they had to say. One thing that caught my attention, just to show you how simple it is, that Islam gave us the values, just expand it and use it. The neighbors, very primitive, not primitive, sorry, uh, very simple. Simply they said, you know, I, I have, I've been living here for 10 years, 15 years. I haven't seen a Muslim knock on my door, just say hello. Yeah. 
They come past, they don't even look at me. They don't say hello even. Just say hello, you know. Something simple that I felt ashamed about. I said, SubhanAllah, this is what we do. Have a little conversation with me. I feel like I'm part of the community. You've got to make them feel that you're part of the community. Allahu Akbar. As a result, yani, because of their lack of uh, uh, inclusive, you know, including them. And they want inclusion. They just want to feel that they're part of something. And they want to feel safe. They're living there. Uh, there were some restrictions placed on the road. But this is exactly what we started doing. Going on, saying hello to them out of the ordinary, giving a smile. The more Muslims did that, the easier our interaction with them was. The easier we're able to go to the masjid without having difficulty or concerns. And Subhanallah, I remember this just in Muhammad, this, uh, this interaction, this dealing on fundamentals of our deen. Just enhance it. Let it be seen. And when you reflect, you think that's a no-brainer. Like, why didn't we think Exactly. <laughs> but it's actually, yeah. you just got to do it. Yeah, exactly. You just got to yeah. do it. Okay. Instead of me saying, I've got to get to my salat on time, even if I park in her driveway, this elderly woman, because that always happens. Mm-hmm. Wallah, it happens. I, I'm not sugarcoating it yet. <laughs> we mean very well, but we need to get to our salat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What about the neighbors? SubhanAllah, if I had looked out for her a little bit more, things would have been easier over there. Something so simple like that, very easy for any Muslim to do, increases our pride about our identity and who we are. They're all watching us, everyone. As soon as we make a mistake, what happens? Yep. The Muslims. We do something good. Uh, what I say is avoid argumentation with each other. Just let go of it, ya as much as you can. As much as you can, let go of it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all our brothers and sisters for this honesty and Ameen. I love them all. My final words is every single member of our community is important. Every one of you, my brothers and sisters are part of this growing community and every single one of you is as important as, as anyone else. Please do not look down on yourselves. Please do not think that just because you haven't had you know, much of a religious life yourself that you are no good. You are amazing. And without you, we cannot be a community. We have to rely on you, inshallah. And I look forward to seeing more positiveness, as Sheikh said, in every single Muslim because Wallahi al-Azim, Wallahi al-Azim, Wallahi al-Azim. I love them with all my heart. And I want to say, because we have this opportunity, I went through an ordeal this year, as everybody knows, and I swear by Allah, every single member of the community that I, that I can think of was there for me. The argumentative and the easygoing, the harsh and every person. Allahu Akbar, I thank the community and I can't thank them enough, subhanAllah. Wallahi, yani, I'm indebted to them. All the goodness and the empathy and the kindness that they had is very promising, subhanAllah. That's my personal experience with them. And I love them, fi sabi May Allah subhanAllah reward you.